Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. It has been quite a while since I've posted any podcast. It's been quite a while since I posted anything on social media. I have stayed off social media now for probably about three or four weeks. I decided to really focus on my school and not become distracted by being on social media, especially with everything going on with COVID, with the presidential election. I mean, it was a perfect time to stay off social media. Um, And I also have a project that was due for school where I had to stay off social media for a week, journal about it, and then look up research that talks about the consequences of being online all the time. So that was a really interesting exercise. And after a week was done, I thought, I'm just going to stay off for a little bit because I feel better. My mental health is better. I'm not as distracted. I have a lot more attention and focus when it comes to my schoolwork. So that is why I have been completely absent and inactive from social media. But I do love posting podcasts. So there, while there are drawbacks to being on social media, if we're wise with our usage, and we set proper boundaries, we can have a lot of good that comes out of it as well. So today we're going to be talking about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And I touched on these topics in the previous two podcasts that I've done. So if you haven't listened to those, please check those out as well because I go further in depth into them. But we're going to be talking about why a fixed mindset is so detrimental and also talk about why praising specifically children, but praising ability, praising children's ability is so harmful and what we can do about it. I'm taking a lot of concepts from Carol Dweck, who is the number one person to go to for motivational research. She is a powerhouse in the psychology world, in the work world. Uh, She's fantastic. She's got amazing books. So I'm drawing on a lot of concepts from her. Uh, Two of her, one of her books, sorry, is called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. Um, You can find that in any bookstore. Again, I'm drawing on a lot of concepts from her, as well as Anders Ericsson when it comes to natural talent versus effort and, um, and, and work that we put into growing our talent. So I want to start by asking you first, what do you believe about your own intelligence? 
Do you believe that your intelligence is something about you that you cannot change very much? Or do you believe that no matter how much intelligence you have, you can always change it quite a bit? If you answered yes to the first statement, you believe that your intelligence is something about you that you cannot change very much, then you're operating from a fixed mindset. But if you answered yes to the second response that no matter how much intelligence you have, you can always change it quite a bit, you're operating more from a growth mindset. The problem with a fixed mindset is that when people believe that their personal traits are fixed, that there's something they cannot change, the primary goal becomes proving yourself. Fixed mindset, people with a fixed mindset often set goals that will validate whatever it is they're measuring. Let's just use intelligence as an example, but you can replace intelligence with personality or whatever you choose whatever you believe is fixed inside of you, a fixed characteristic. So fixed, someone with a fixed mindset will set goals that validate their intelligence. Conversely, they won't set goals that are too challenging because they believe that if you have to work hard at something, you aren't good at it in the first place and that effort compensates for a lack of ability. People with a fixed mindset are often more concerned with receiving validation and will over-exaggerate how well they are doing to look better. So people with a fixed mindset are just concerned about how they appear to other people. They seek approval, they seek validation because their self-worth rides on their ability. They also believe that effort is due to a lack of being good at something, so they don't even try. This can become a self-fulfilling prophecy and they can become a victim of self-fulfilling prophecy, which is when they believe they don't have what it takes, so they stop trying, which dooms them to fail and reinforces the mistaken belief that they didn't have what it took in the first place. The other thing that happens when someone is operating from a fixed mindset is they seek rewards that actually end up undermining their intrinsic motivation. So rewards are one way um, that we believe will motivate people, but rewards are actually not a great way to motivate someone. And in fact, they undermine intrinsic motivation. We'll get more to that later. But people in a fixed mindset seek rewards to validate themselves. The other thing that happens with someone in a fixed mindset is because their self-worth and self-esteem ride so heavily on their ability to try and build their self-esteem back up when they fail, because ultimately we all do fail, they'll end up blaming others for their failures or make excuses instead of really looking inward as to where they went wrong and what they could do better. And that makes sense. If you're if your whole self-concept of yourself and your worth rides on your ability, you're going to do everything that you possibly can to protect that. And lastly, they aren't as willing to learn because they expect their ability to carry them, which really doesn't make sense. What would be the point, say, in going to school 
and learning if you believe that your ability is already there. And if you have to learn at something, then you weren't meant to do it in the first place. That doesn't really make any sense. But to someone who has believed that their intelligence or their skill or ability or personality is something that's fixed, they don't seek to improve themselves because that improvement undermines how they feel. Conversely, on the other side, someone operating out of a growth mindset is someone who believes that their abilities can be grown no matter what. They can change, they can evolve, they can get better. Those in a fixed mindset just seek to be good, to get to be good, to be noticed. But those in a growth mindset seek to get better. One thing that happens, there are many positive things that that happen when we're operating out of a growth mindset, is that people don't give up as quick when the going gets tough. They set the bar higher and don't see challenges as threatening, but as opportunities. Therefore, they're more willing to take risks. They're more realistic about how they're doing because they don't mind self-evaluation. People in a fixed mindset don't like to self-monitor. They don't like to look at where they're going wrong because again, that would undermine uh, their ability and how they see themselves. But those in a growth mindset are more realistic about what they're doing. They want to get better. They want to grow. It doesn't mean that failures don't hurt these people, but failures don't define them like they do with a fixed mindset. So how do we develop these mindsets? How do we change these mindsets? First and foremost, we need to believe that we actually can change these mindsets. And we know that we can because lots of studies, and I'm not going to go over all of them in detail. You can pick up the book. Carol Dweck goes through tons and tons of studies about changing one's mindset. Er, uh, Anders Ericsson goes over tons and tons of different examples of athletes and all sorts of people practicing their activities that get better. So my goal of this podcast is to teach you that we operate from one of these two mindsets and that we can change how we operate, but we need to know where they come from. Like most things and most mindsets that we have, they come from those who have taken care of us, mentors to us, our parents, teachers, These are the people that are instilling these different mindsets into us. And we carry these mindsets throughout our life and they mold and they shape us and shape how we see ourselves and how we do things. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own story with a fixed mindset changing into a growth mindset, because I didn't always believe that you could grow your abilities. Maybe I did to a certain extent. And don't get me wrong, we're always going to be a mixture of the two. It's not we're 100% fixed mindset in everything. We can be some of, we can have some fixed mindset ideas about certain areas. And then we can have a growth mindset ideas about other areas. So it's not just one or the other. But for me, and for a lot of people, I was very much in the fixed mindset 
that math abilities and intelligence was something that you couldn't change. You just had it or you didn't. You had a mind for math or you did not. And this was instilled into me quite early. However, if I really look back, there was a bit of an antidote for what I was going to encounter later on in life. So I grew up with a grandfather who was a teacher. My dad left when I was five, so my grandparents had played a very big role in raising me. And my grandpa would get us to do these flippin' math equations, sheets and sheets of math equations, starting from adding and subtracting, then multiplying and dividing, and we would sit at the table and do these questions. And we weren't allowed to watch TV. We weren't allowed to do anything. We had to do our math equations because he believed that you could get better with practice. Now, I didn't know what he was doing at the time. I just know I hated it because I didn't want to do it. It wasn't fun. And learning isn't always fun, but that's beside the point. Anyways, when I got into elementary school, I was fine. Uh, I don't think I had any kind of issue with, with math. It wasn't until about grade seven or eight where my math ability really started to go down. And I wasn't at the same level as a lot of the other kids. It took me a little bit more time to figure out what was going on. I'm not really sure why. Maybe I didn't pay attention. Maybe there was lots of other factors going on in life. But the teachers took a note of it and growing up in a small town, outside of a small town on, a, on an acreage, but going to a small town school, teachers are very focused on, uh, it's probably not just a small town, it's probably lots of different teachers, really focused on, on kids, students' natural abilities. And I, to them, did not have the natural ability for math. So what they decided to do, I think I was about 13 years old, yeah, grade seven, eight. They put me in a modified math class. So from grade eight to grade 11, I was in a modified math class. So I didn't take math with the rest of the students. I would go to my own classroom, I'd have my own teacher and I was learning math at a much slower rate. I didn't feel like putting in the effort. I felt like, what was the point? I'm not good at math anyways. And they treated me like I wasn't good at math. I think I was doing geometry, like basic geometry. By the time I was in grade 11, while all of my peers were doing algebra, I decided not to take grade 12 math because I don't know if it's still a thing, but in grade 12, you can decide whether you take math or not. It's mandatory up to grade 11. But I decided not to take math in grade 12 because I wasn't ever going to need it. I was never, it's not like I was ever going to go to university. I wasn't smart enough for that. I was probably just going to spend my life doing something where I wasn't academically challenged in that way. Why would I need math again? All right, so that's how... I grew up believing that and I carried that with me into my adult life. It shaped the career that I chose to go into after high school. I avoided anything where I would have to do any kind of upgrading for math because to me, I just didn't have a mathematical mind. 
That was until I wanted to take psychology. And one of the requirements is grade 12 math because there's statistics in psychology. And so you need to know how to do math. And this was such a huge deterrent for me because not only did I have to upgrade my grade 12 math, but I didn't know anything from grade 10 or 11 math because I had been in a modified math class since grade eight. So I didn't really know much about math at all. So I decided to face my fears. I'm very thankful I have a husband who believed in me and showed me that I can get better if I put effort in. And for seven months before going to upgrade my grade 12 math, I spent that time working on grade 10 and grade 11 math on my own with the help of my husband and with the help of Khan Academy. Shout out to Khan Academy. Anyone who doesn't know what Khan Academy is, you need to go and look at it right this instant. They teach everything from math to reading to science to biology, like whatever, um, from a very young age, like my nephew Ruben is four years old. I'm helping, um, I'm being a part of the process and him learning how to read and we're on Khan Academy right now and they have preschool all the way up to university, any kind of subject that you want, it's all free. It's fantastic. It takes you step-by-step step through different processes to learn. And this is what I did with math. Now I didn't realize what I was doing as I was taking all of these steps to get better and practicing deliberate practice, which is something that I talked about in a previous episode, which is needed to be an expert performer or to get better in anything, you need deliberate practice, not just doing the same thing over and over again um, or practicing you know, half-assed, but you're actually getting better because you have feedback. What I was doing is I was developing a growth mindset. So I spent seven months doing all of these different things in math that I would have done in grade 10 and 11. Plus I started to look at what I needed to do for grade 12. And by the time I got to my upgrading course, which took three months, maybe four months, I can't remember. But I, I was familiar with the language that they were using. It wasn't foreign to me anymore. And I did quite well. In fact, I did more than quite well. I did better than quite well. I did a, exceptional. I finished my math class with a 96%. That's an A+. I finished my grade 12 math with an A+. But I put in hours and hours and hours of studying. Hours, like seven months beforehand and then Every single day I would study on my own and redo the questions and redo the questions and redo the questions and I got so much better. And it was at that moment where I stopped believing what I didn't know then, now I know now, where I stopped believing in this fixed mindset mentality that we can't get better. Because I truly believe that regardless, we, we might not all be experts in what we're trying to do, but we can always get better. So that's my own personal story. And there's many stories like this. You look at every great athlete, they do not have natural 
abilities that carry them to where they are. They might have some kind of natural, you know, predisposition, maybe, but probably not. Actually, Anders Ericsson would say that natural ability counts accounts for about maybe 0.5%, 5%, and the rest is all down to practice and effort. If you look at these great athletes, look at Tiger Woods, people thought, you know, he's been the greatest golfer in the world. Well, Tiger's dad determined that he was going to be the greatest golfer in the world when he was born. In the environment that Tiger grew up in, he had been watching his dad play golf from six months old. So by the time he was two years old, he was putting, he was driving, he was in competitions. By the time he was three, his parents moved heaven and earth for the greatest coaches and for him to be constantly in that environment. If you look at any great athlete, look at their background, any expert performer look at their background, it will be filled with deliberate practice, coaches, feedback, all of these things, they start when they're younger. There is a, there's a lot to be said for the conclusion that natural ability, is it even real? Does it even exist? Or are we really just a product of the effort that we put in the environment that we grow up? Nature versus nurture, this is an age-old story. So another example, um, because math, you know, math is such a big thing, and a lot of people really do believe that they're not good at math. And teachers have a lot to answer for in making children believe that they're either good or they're not by cultivating that fixed mindset or the growth mindset in them. There was a study done, and it showed that Teachers that had a fixed mindset had kids that had were in a high ability group and a low ability group. And by the end of the year, they finished where they started. But teachers who had a growth mindset had kids in both groups. But at the end of the year, all kids were higher up. And this really goes to show that it's not just about the kids, but it's about the learning environment that they're in as well. It's so important. One person who has really tapped into this is creator of the Jump Math program, John Mighton. And he says almost every kid, and I mean virtually every kid, can learn math at a very high level to the point where they could do university level math courses. If you ask why that's not happening, it's because very early in school, many kids get the idea that they're not in the smart group, especially in math. We kind of force a choice on them to decide that either they're dumb or that math is dumb. And that really resonates with me. I mean, the teachers decided from early on that I was not in the regular math group. They decided I was in the modified math group and I took that on and it wasn't true. Had I actually just had proper math teaching and A lot of teachers don't teach math properly. They don't teach it in incremental steps like this jump program does, like Khan Academy does. They're not using these micro steps. They're actually taking what would be seven steps and making it into one and wondering why people are falling off. And Carol Dweck notices this uh, in her book. The research 
looks at when people, when students start to drop off at math, and it's between grades seven and eight because that's when it starts to get more in depth and more abstract and there needs to be smaller steps that the kids take in order to gain that level of mastery, but it's not there. Um, hopefully there are, I'm sure there's lots of schools that use a growth mindset approach that are using the jump math program, for example, but not in the school that I grew up in. So we get these ideas and these mindsets from the people that educate us, from our parents. And it's very important as teachers and parents to be aware of how we're instilling these mindsets into children, which will carry over into our adult life. This is where I'm going to move on to praising ability and why praising a child's ability is so detrimental. And all of this research is coming, like I said, from Carol Dweck, who is the main motivational researcher out there. Um, and it's been extremely impactful for me to come across this research. I don't have any children myself yet, um, but when we do have children, this is something that is going to be deeply, deeply entrenched into their mind that their ability is not what's going to carry them in life. And it's really interesting because my sister and I were talking and she's got two kids and she's been listening to child psychologists talk about these same concepts and it's something that she's starting to instill, they're starting to instill into Ruben, he's four years old. And uh, it's amazing how early they pick these, these mindsets up. And I'll give you examples as we go through this, um, but how we can change them and how we have the power to encourage children to take risks and challenges and see failures and setbacks as opportunities. So how do you know if you're praising your child's ability? And what are the outcomes of that? So if you say something like, you're so smart, or you have a natural talent for this, or you didn't even try hard and you got an A, these are they, they all sound good, like saying, oh, you're so smart. But what kids are really hearing is if I fail, it must be because I'm not smart. Or if you say, you really have a natural talent for this. What they're really hearing is, if I'm not good at this right off the bat, why bother trying? I don't have a natural talent for it, so what's the use? So Dweck has done multiple numerous studies of the effects of praising children and conclude that praising a child's intelligence harms their motivation and harms their performance. Praising kids for their talent makes them feel better, but only temporarily. Because the minute they hit a bump in the road, their confidence goes out the window and their motivation decreases exponentially. And that makes sense. If you think about it, if you're saying to a kid, oh, you're so smart, you're so smart, you're just so naturally talented, look at how good you are. What happens when they do fail? Or what happens when they don't get something right away? 
they're immediately going to give up. When they hit that bump in the road, they're going to give up because they've relied on the fact that they're naturally talented or they're already smart. This carries over into life. This carries over into our work, into our relationships, into every area. This matters. So kids who are praised for their ability are reluctant to take on challenges because they don't want to look or feel like failures. They see performance as a reflection of their character and their self-worth hangs on tightly to this. Dweck says the worst thing parents can do is praise their children for their ability. That's one of the worst things you can do as a parent is to continue to praise your child for their ability. What you're really doing is setting them up for failure down the road. You're setting them up to be less resilient. You're setting them up to be less cognitively flexible, less creative, less spontaneous, less likely to pursue challenges, less likely to take risks. And you're undermining their intrinsic motivation. So she would say, stay away from the type of praise that judges their intelligence or talent or praise that implies that you're proud of them for their intelligence or talent and not for the, for the hard work that they've put in. So trying to bolster a child's self-esteem by protecting them from failure is harmful in the long run. So when a child does fail, say for example, you say you were robbed of that blue ribbon. Instead of really assessing what the child has done and saying, you know, you could have put in more effort. These other kids have been doing this sport for much longer. If you want to be the best, you're going to have to work for it. So if we're in a fixed mindset, we're going to bring our children into a fixed mindset by praising their abilities. Conversely, when they're failing at something, you're going to try and protect their self-esteem because it protects your self-esteem because you might be operating out of that mindset. Not necessarily, but you might be. But you're going to try and retain some of their self-esteem instead of being more realistic with them. And in the long run, they need that realism in order to help them get better. For teachers, now this is looking at teachers, not just parents, but teachers that encourage learning and the journey foster a growth mindset. And there have been teachers that really hold the values of no shortcuts. There's no magic. There's no innate talent that separates you from the rest. And they tell students the truth while giving them the tools they need to close the gap. But fixed mindset teachers simply want to impart their knowledge. Growth mindset teachers use their teaching to grow. So it's really important how the education system is shaping children as well. You don't want teachers to instill more of a fixed mindset into children that cripples their, their abilities later on in life. And those abilities are grown and children need to know that their abilities can be grown. A growth mindset, in short, very simply, is about believing people can develop their abilities. And this is a process that includes more than just effort. Because you can do something not very well, 
but keep doing it and doing it and doing it and you're never going to see improvement. So hard work is important, but trying new strategies when something isn't working is also extremely important. The other part of this process of a growth mindset is seeking help, getting feedback. The process to Dweck that we that they that she wants children to appreciate is hard work, trying new strategies, and asking for input from others. Children need to understand that engaging in that process help them learn. So you can you can help this by appreciating your child's accomplishments but tying it back to the process that they've engaged in and not simply making it about their abilities. So instead of saying something like, wow, I'm so proud of you. You are really naturally talented at this. You're amazing. You could say, I like the way you tried all kinds of strategies on that math problem until you finally got it. You thought of a lot of different ways to do it and found one that worked. Again, tying what they've done back to the process of hard work and effort that they've put in, it's totally fine to be positive about a child's or anyone's accomplishments, but tie it back to like, wow, you really worked hard. Look at, see your hard work paid off. Aren't you proud of yourself? Look at how much you engaged in. This wasn't working. You changed it. That I'm really proud of that for you. That's a lot different than saying, wow, you're so smart. So when they don't get it next time, that means they're not smart? Of course not. We also need to be really cognizant about how we're responding to failures. A lot of parents may gloss over failures, but the act of doing so makes failures an issue. Instead, it's very important to see failures as a, not as a setback, but as an opportunity to learn and get better. If a child is failing at a subject in school and the parent gets all anxious about their child's ability, that's gonna reflect negatively on the child. So you need to instead see those failures as opportunities to learn and get better, embrace failures and address setbacks head on while you give your child the next steps they need for learning. And this is in the words of Dweck, not me, I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your child, but I'm just saying this is what the research is, is really showing. And praising children for their ability undermines them and it's setting them up for failure in the long run. One last thing that I'm gonna to touch on for just a, a couple minutes is how rewards and how praise really undermine intrinsic motivation. And we see this with children who are naturally intrinsically motivated to learn, specifically to read, and how when we make reading contingent upon rewards or grades or gold stars or whatever else, whatever other incentives that we're offering children to read more, it undermines their intrinsic motivation to read. This is one area where it really shows that rewards aren't the best. And if you look at children, most children want to read. I'm not going to say all children want to read, but most children, when they're really young, they want to read. They'll read 
40, 50 books in a year when they're like five, six years old or they'll get someone to read it for them. They want to read, they want to learn, but then as they get into school, this reading becomes contingent upon grades or, you know, I remember being in grade four and you get so many gold stars when you read this many books and that reading then becomes, the rewards become, uh, it gives them a lack of motivation to continue to read because those rewards are contingent. And if we think about how the education system works, these are really the only tools that teachers have and parents use as well to try and motivate their children. They do it by praise, they do it by giving rewards, or they do it by introducing competition. Like, oh, this person's doing this, you better get better. And this really does undermine intrinsic motivation. What we wanna make sure that we're doing is making sure that there's autonomy in the child's decisions to read and not making it based on receiving rewards or praise. That's just another little thing I wanted to bring up is how rewards aren't always the best way. And in fact, they can have some detrimental side effects as kids who expect rewards just end up not trying as hard in the long run and they end up expecting more rewards in the long run and their intrinsic motivation goes down because it's no longer autonomous. They're not choosing it for themselves. They're doing it simply to get a reward. So one thing I really wanted to instill in everyone, first and foremost, is a fixed mindset is not really the best way to live. And a growth mindset is going to foster a lot more productivity for the child and for the adult. We don't have to stay in a fixed mindset. We can adopt a growth mindset, but we actually need to believe that our abilities can be grown and they can. So if you're one person, if you're a person that lives in a fixed mindset, I would seriously do your research on it. I would look up people like Carol Dweck and Anders Ericsson and dig into the research that shows how detrimental living in a fixed mindset can be and all of the, all of the positive outcomes that take place when we operate from a growth mindset. So that was first and foremost. And then secondly, how praising ability fosters a fixed mindset, but by praising effort, and tying achievement to the process that we go through in order to get the success or, or attain the goals that we have is much more beneficial because it fosters a growth mindset. So be careful as parents and teachers and anyone when you're praising someone for their ability because that is fostering more of that fixed mindset which is gonna have negative consequences. All right. Well, that is it for me. Thank you guys so much. I look forward to our next episode together. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes 
And please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.